0: Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. All right, so I want to finish this. uh, We're in a series called Seek and Save, the Battle for Lost Souls, and um, as a habit of standing and reading, let's—we're we, used to doing that. So I need you to go to two places today. I've got a little little time, so this is good. Um, I need you to go to Galatians chapter five, and uh, I don't know if I'll actually turn there, but I want you to go there anyway. Galatians chapter five—that's not on the screen today. So I want you to go there, put a mark in your Bible. Go with me to Luke uh, chapter eight, won't you? Stand for the reading of the word together. We love to stand in honor of God's word, Luke chapter 8. And uh, this, we are talking about the battle for lost souls. This thing, like I said, with Israel, just the time we're living in, what does that mean for us? It means that we need to be preaching the gospel we need to be going out and winning souls and and trying to rescue people. So whenever you do that, whenever you engage in promoting the kingdom of God, whether it's handing a track, testifying, worshiping God, all of that is spiritual warfare on different levels. And so we've been talking about that. Last week I started on what's called the unbelievers battle. And I'm gonna finish that up today. And there are three main battles that people fight in order to come to Jesus. And it's important for us to know what those are. Many of us have fought them ourselves. And I'm kind of mixing it in with also Christians battle some of these things too, but I'm gonna focus on this is the unbelievers battle. So we understand what our loved ones are dealing with to help them come to Christ. And we look at one of the most dramatic stories of deliverance in Jesus' ministry. It's recorded in three Gospels. I'm not going to read the whole thing, okay? So go back and read it on your own time. But Luke chapter 8 tells us about the Gadarean, or the demon-possessed man. This man did not have a psychological problem. He did not have a health problem, although those are very real as well. This man had a spiritual problem, which is also very real. And, uh, and so this guy... It says in verse 26, then they sailed, this is Jesus and the disciples. They went to the country of the Gadareans, which is, the, which is opposite of Galilee. It's on the north tip of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. Jesus stepped out on the boat, and there met him a certain man from a city. Mark tells us that he ran to Jesus. This man needed to get delivered. He wanted Jesus This is the unbeliever's battle, but he couldn't follow the Lord. He was bound. He had some issues, okay? This man says he stepped out, who ran, who had demons for a long time. He wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but he lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, this is the demon here. The demon cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, "What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me." Matthew says, "Before the time, this devil knows what's up. when He sees Jesus, for Jesus had commanded him, verse twenty-nine, the unclean spirit to come out of the man. This guy is fighting against Jesus, and this is a spiritual warfare that's going on right in front of everybody." It says, "For the spirit had often seized him." That means. Overwhelmed him, and he was kept under guard. He was bound with chains. Everybody say chains and shackles and he would break the bonds and then was driven by the demons into the wilderness so they tried to keep him under guard kept him in some sort of a home kept chains on him and he would break the chains he got out and he just took off and one thing that the devil does is it drives us away from people it drives us away the enemy wants to isolate us that's why it's a battle coming to the church that's why it's a battle joining the body of Christ which Jesus tells all of us to do that is a spiritual battle to join the body of christ and and to be around people the enemy wants to isolate us we've all watched national geographic we knows what happens when when that little buffalo gets alone that that's when the lion will attack he's not going to rush a, a baby when it's surrounded by mama he'll wait till you get you alone the enemy loves isolation we really talked about that last week that's what he did to this man jesus asked him saying what is your name we're not told to talk to demons, but Jesus can do what he wants. And he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And then they begged him that he would not command them to go out of the abyss. I may tackle that in, next week because there is a whole lot in that little statement. And uh, Jesus then commands them to go. They go into this pig, these pigs. The swine runs down the mountain, drowns in the sea. The people just have a panic attack. They take off running. And they run, and um, the men actually, at the very end of the story, the Bible says that that man that was naked and crazy, they called him a lunatic in Matthew, by the way, he is clothed, he's got some clothes on, he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and he's in his right mind. Why? Because no one is beyond God's reach. But someone is within your reach. So, Father, we thank you for this story. We thank you for what you done, have done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. We pray your, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I talked last week. I started from the bottom of this story, and where the shepherds of the swine, the Bible says, were overcome with fear and asked Jesus to leave. Who would ask Jesus to leave? Who would say no to Jesus? Why do people say no to Jesus? That's part of the unbelievers battle. And last week I took the entire week to talk about the spirit of fear. And I told you that fear is an emotional thing. It can be a healthy fear. God's given us a fear of fire, fear of heights. But there's also a spirit of fear that the Bible talks about that is very real. And I said it manifests itself in different ways. One of them is the fear of, of cost. People won't come to Jesus. Part of the unbelievers' battle, what they battle is like the, the owners of the pigs, is what do I have to lose in order to follow Jesus? See, these pig owners, the only thing they knew is uh, they got used to the chaos, which I talked about that last week. They'd rather have their pigs and demons than the peace and promise of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And I talked about how we can get comfortable with our chaos and our dysfunction. Uh, So they were afraid because all they know is when Jesus came on the scene, they had to give up their pigs. And that's a real thing that our loved ones battle. I battled it. I always thought, what do I have to give up in order to serve Jesus? And I told you Uh, Number one, you don't have to give up anything to be saved. Jesus died on the cross and his blood covers us and wiped away our sins. So you don't earn salvation by giving anything up. However, Jesus taught whoever comes after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. So there is a cross that we carry. There is a life, a struggle, persecution, and things like that that come along with being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a real thing. But I told you last week to tell our friends that we need to let them know that you don't have to give up anything. It's not a give up. It's a trade up. Jesus said, whatever you have given up for the sake of the gospel, friends, lands, money, whatever, houses, he said, you will not get in this life a hundredfold and in the life to come. Friends, houses, things in the same return. So it's not a give up, it's a trade up. So don't be holding on to them little piggies. Let them little piggies go because God's got something better. The other way fear manifests itself is the fear of man. This is a legitimate fear that our loved ones fight. And that is, what are people going to think if I come to church? What are people going to think if I become a Christian? And I told you and spent a whole week on that. We need to let them know that God has not given you a spirit of fear. Well, I want to get into this week. This is the second, the biggest main one that keeps people from coming to Jesus. And that is actually bondage to sin. This right here, my friend, is what keeps us from coming and serving Jesus. And I'm going to kind of also mix in how believers can get into this as well. But um, you, our loved ones may not be walking around with shackles and be like this guy, but I guarantee you, I showed you last week, that if we're not walking in light, we are actually in darkness. And when you begin to sin and when we live in sin, sin begins to have shackles on us. So our friends, even though they may seem very spirited, making money, living life, spiritually speaking, they are in bondage. They are isolated from God and they're not walking with God. They just hide it. Some of them hide it real well. Some of them don't hide it at all. They will tell you that they are struggling and they need to be set free. So I'm gonna show you some scriptures and then I'm gonna illustrate this. And then we're going to pray, and God's going to have some, some. listen, he's going to bring some freedom in the house today. I prayed over every one of these pews, or every row anyway. There's a lot of chairs. But I prayed over every row Thursday, and everyone watching online. And I prayed that today would be the day. That if you've been struggling or battling with anything in your life, that you would get free from it today in Jesus' name. Because God wants you to be free. He wants you to be clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, and in your right mind. He loves you, and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. The enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus come to give you life and have it more abundantly. And also I want to pray for those that want to stand in the gap. And you'll see that here in a minute. So sin. Where does sin, bondage begins first with the flesh. Let me start here. This is where sin begins. This is where bondage begins. It first begins with the flesh. It doesn't begin with Satan overcoming you and possessing you. Okay, this is why I want you to go to Galatians. Go over to Galatians with me. Galatians five is so important. Paul the apostle is writing and he is talking here. He says in Galatians five, 19. Now the works of the flesh, everybody say flesh, they are evident or they are obvious. And then he gives a list they are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, 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 hatred. Contentions, that's fights, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, that's going off on somebody, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. He kind of left the list open in case there's any new habits we develop as people. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I have told you before, kind of hear mama here, I've told you, boy. He said, I've been telling you this. Now, this is very serious. That those who practice, everybody say practice. Practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hello. That's Jesus. That's God speaking to us today. But, big but right here, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the proof of the Holy Spirit, that you have him in you, You're not perfect, but you're going to have these attributes. Love, joy, peace, long-sovereign, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Come on, everybody say self-control. Self-control. Against this, there is no law, and those who belong to Christ have cast the devil out of themselves. Nope. Has crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. I want you to see this. There's not a demon mentioned in that list. Why is that important? Because a lot of people try to make a demon out of their issues and out of their flesh because if I can make it a spirit, then I'm no longer responsible for my actions. And I need you to know you can't cast out the flesh. You don't need deliverance. We need repentance. That's what Paul is saying. The flesh... Loves to sin. Don't blame it on the devil. Like that little boy, daddy told the little boy not to go swimming when they get to their auntie's house. And they got over there and he said, okay, daddy, I won't swim. And daddy's in the house, fellowshipping with his sister and family, looks out and his son is jumping in the pool, cannonball. He goes out there, he goes, boy, didn't I tell you not to go swimming? He said, daddy, the devil pushed me in. He said, then why are you wearing the bathing suit? And many times we need to know this, Christians and even non-Christians, if sin, we sin not because we're in bondage, we sin because we like it. Jesus echoes this and says in John in his teaching of sin, he says, this is the verdict. Are you ready? This is Jesus. This is the verdict. He's got the answer. He sums it up. Light has come into the world, but people are in bondage. No, people love darkness instead of light and they won't come to the light. So sin, you need to know before you start blaming it on the devil. And this is just, this is what it is. We need to learn, you don't need to get delivered, brother. You just need to get to the altar and get that flesh under control. Sister, you may not need to be delivered. You just with your tongue and your attitude and you need to run around and people trying to make everything spiritual, especially this time of year, a devil's into everything. Listen, it's your flesh. And God is not going to give victory in your life until we come to the place to say, it is me who has sinned against you, O oh God. Forgive me and deliver me from my flesh and give me some discipline in my life. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Eddie. You're welcome. This is how I walked away from addiction. Now, there was bondage in my life and there was a satanic in a the, in the, in the demonic bondage and stronghold, and I'm going to get to that here. But I want you to first see that sin begins with people loving him. In other words, our loved ones don't come to Jesus, many of them, because it's not that Satan won't let them. They don't want to stop sinning. They, they, they love their darkness rather than light. You need to see this. Jesus is saying this. Light is coming to the world and they didn't want it. But, everybody say, but, but. this leads to bondage because sin does lead to bondage. Some do get into bondage, let me say this, right in the beginning, absolutely. There are people, friends of mine, that first took their first hit of, a, of weed or drug or meth or even drinking, first time they were buzzing and they were boom, they were hooked. And some people will have that happen in the very beginning, but most people will, they just love to do it. And this is the battle of the unbelievers. This is where they are. And they, they, are, they think they're in control and they are for a little while, but the devil is clever. And he will wait, and he will wait until he has the opportunity, and then the bondage will become real and strong. Because Jesus continued his teaching, and he says this, Jesus answered and said to them, I say to you, whoever practices sin is a slave of sin. Okay, so he went from people loving sin and just don't want to give it up to all of a sudden being in bondage. And Paul the apostle writes in Romans chapter 6, he says, don't you know to whoever you present yourself to obey, that you become a slave to. Whether it's sin, which leads to bondage, or uh, servant of God, offer yourself to God, which leads to righteousness. So just like when you get saved, you begin to bear the fruits of a Christian and you, you develop those fruits of living, the flesh has its own fruits. As you continue to walk in, fle- in the flesh, he will begin to manifest these lusts of the flesh. But make no mistake about it, it leads to bondage. James, I love the way he says it. James brings it out. There's a progression, and I love how James the apostle writes. He says in James 1, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own what? Desires. There it is right there. And enticed. That's the devil. The devil is also called the tempter. He will tempt you. He cannot make you sin, but he will entice you. He will tempt you. He tempted Jesus. He will tempt you. What the problem is, is our desires. He knows what our desires are, and he uses those. He's not going to tempt you with something you don't have a desire for. He will watch your life, and he knows exactly what you have a desire for, and he will entice you for that very thing and try to pull you in because he wants to pull you into bondage. James says that. So here's the only scripture we as Christians have when it comes to the devil. Are you ready? Resist the devil. And he will flee. <laughs> Don't I need an anointing oil and hop on one leg and spin around and have Sister open up a portal? No. No, it's not in the Bible. I, I know that sounds very good and you might need it, but I'm telling you, this is what it is. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. The problem is our unbeliever friends cannot do that because they don't have the power and strength to resist the devil. They are weak when it comes to that. They will give in. James continues and he says, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So desires doesn't mean you, you are sinning. You have those desires. That's why Paul says, what did he say in Galatians? I know I'm teaching today, but we're gonna to get to the preaching in a minute. What did he say we do with the, the desires in Galatians? Crucify them. When those flesh comes up, when those desires come, you crucify them. You don't feed into them because those desires give forth sin. And then he says something very interesting. Then, sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So there's a progression that happens with sin, people. It starts with flesh. Oh, I like to do that. It makes me feel good. And the devil ain't making you do it. You do it, and we do it because we enjoy it. We enjoy going off and giving people some like piece of our mind. We love going and saying that. We love doing it. We love it at first. And then the Bible says it begins to grow like a child grows. Now, when you have a toddler, you can pick up a child and move them anywhere you want. You're in control. You can pick that baby up. The only thing the baby will cry and let you know it needs your attention. Just like them little sins you pick up will cry and tell you they need your attention. But you have the ability in the beginning to ignore it and continue with work because it's just a baby. James says, but that thing will grow. As you feed that little baby, as you give in to that attitude, as you go to that website, and you start lusting, and you start doing this, and you start doing a little bit more, and you think you got it under control, and this may take months, this can even take years. I know people that, man, they seem to be partying it up, I mean, blowing their money at the casino, but they're able to go right back to work, they're able to function, and they think they have no problem. I'm here to tell you it's just a matter of time. That little toddler is growing every single day. Every day you begin to feed him. And the Bible says when he is full grown, it's one thing to have a 20-month-old baby. You can pick that child up anywhere you want. It's a totally different thing when he's 20 years old and you're 20 years older and he's standing in your face and he's saying, we're going to the casino whether you like it or not. We're going to the website. It's three o'clock in the morning. I don't care. Get out of the bed. I better not drink this weekend. I want to drink. I better not. I want to drink and we're going to get lit. Come on. My band's going to be there. But I'm tired. I've been working doubles. I say, get out of that bed. James says it's full grown. There's the bondage. There's the bondage. There's the bondage. There it is right there. Lying is fun at first telling my stories, now I wanna quit lying. I don't wanna be that guy that everyone knows is a lie. Everything you say is a lie. I don't wanna be that guy. Keep doing it. You become a habitual liar. And here's the thing, it's it's become full grown and now it's running the show. Christians can even fall into this. Christians who's got the spirit of God in you and is able to walk in victory. Because without the spirit of God, you are very susceptible. Bondage is your best friend. We unpacked this verse in Wednesday night. Romans says, when we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Without strength, yeah, without spiritual strength. You can bench press 400 pounds, brother, but are you strong in your spirit? Being strong in your spirit means you're able to overcome the enemy. You're able to be faithful and rooted and grounded. You're able to overcome temptation. Tell me how strong that is. Bench pressing is good. I mean, that's good to be in shape, take care of your temple. But there's another strength that God's interested in and the devil's interested in. He wants to know how strong you are, sister, in your faith. How strong are you in your spirit? That, my friend, is what the devil is afraid of. He can let you have a prayer meeting and have flags and jamborees and show fires, and I love all of that. But as long as we stay in the upper room, he's fine. But the moment we begin to get down onto his territory and we go into the highways and byways, sit down with that coworker, sit down with that person that's in witchcraft, go to that person in the LGBT2 community, we start going on his turf and sitting down and loving them with the love of Christ and having conversations with them. Brother, that takes some strength in your spirit. That's the strength I'm talking about. But if we neglect that strength, and Christians can walk away and and start to give into the flesh as well because the flesh never dies. Paul says, he never says the flesh dies to you. In Romans, he says, you die to the flesh. Are you following me? So Peter comes along, and he gives us this progression. Peter comes along in 2 Peter 2.20. He ought to know because he dabbled this. He says... For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Stop right there. Are these people saved? Yep. They've escaped the pollutions of the world. Hallelujah. Through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In his very first chapter, he says that's how we are saved. We are saved. How many know Jesus can set us free? Jesus sets us free. Paul, Peter is saying, if they, he's talking about believers here, if they, after they've escaped, after they've come out of bondage, after they've been delivered, and they're coming to church, and the Spirit of God is in them, and the shackles are gone, and they're loving Jesus, and they feel the peace, shalom, Nisi, rafi, and all of them is in their life, and they're loving Jesus, Peter says, if they begin Again, are entangled. Here's the process entangled in what? The lusts of the flesh. And overcome. There's the process flirting with sin, getting into it, you're entangled. You can still do what you're gonna do, you're just entangled. But then there's a progression and it's overcome. He says, the latter end of them are worse than it was in the beginning. Here's the spiritual principle to that, Christians. Returning to a past bondage results in stronger bondage. That is what you need to know as a Christian. Back to the unbelievers, and believers again can be in, in this voice here, that the third battle. So you got the spirit of fear that unbelievers gotta fight, and the big one is bondage to sin. But when you and I are in bondage to sin, What is associated with it is the voice of shame. This is the heaviness that our loved ones have. And this is the battle. Now they're in sin and they don't wanna come to the light. If you go back to that verse, put that verse back up, John three. He says, this is the verdict, light has come to the world. People love darkness instead of light. And then he says, everyone who does evil hates the light. But watch this, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. There's that fear again. They're afraid now to come to the light. Why? It's that shame. And see, that's what the enemy does. He don't mind us and our loved ones. This is how it starts. You start 13 years old or whatever, you're getting into sin, you're doing this. You're going to love it at first. The Bible even says there is pleasure in sin for a season. You're gonna love it and it begins to be fun and this is what you think it is, but I'm here to tell you the Bible tells us and warns us that if we continue to do that, there is a bondage that then begins and it's demonic and it gets a hold of people and then they're in it and they know they're in it and they won't come to the light because they're shamed. This is the unbeliever's battle. Well, the good news is that no one is beyond God's reach. And I love... Dealing with shame is the story in John 8. So when the woman was caught in the act of adultery, could you imagine being caught in the very act and they pick her up and they bring her to the temple. Jesus is at church. They bring her into the temple Sunday morning and they throw her down in front of everybody. And they say, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law says to stoner, where do you, what do you say? Imagine that, interrupting church for that. And Jesus looked, first of all, where's the dude? That's what I would have been asking. But can you see her church? She's sitting there and she's down, I know, on the ground because the Bible says that Jesus went down with her. So he got down into the ground with her. She's caught in the very act. He looks around at the crowd and he says, which of you are perfect and without sin? You can throw the first rock at her. Remember, I preached a message called Drop Your Rocks. I love that. I thought it was good. Anyway. And the Bible says, one by one, they begin to drop their rocks and begin to leave. And then Jesus does something that's so amazing. He reaches down to her, and he says, and I can see him as a father moving her hair. Yeah, she made some bad choices, man. Absolutely. And he... I think moved her hair out of her face. She's scared to death. She's been dragged through the dusty ground, streets of Israel and thrown in the middle of this. And he looks at her and he says, where are those that are accusing you? And all the shame that she had and the bondage and the shame, she looked through and she looked up and she saw no one. And then Jesus does something that just changes everything. He looks at her. She says, I see no one. And he says, neither do I. Condemn you. What is he doing? He's taking that shame right off of her. God Himself is saying, I don't condemn you. That's what we're called to do, church. That is what we're, that's spiritual warfare. That takes maturity. That takes spiritual maturity. Not saying, yeah, I I discern you're in the spirit of adultery. It don't take a whole lot to discern that. What is maturity, what is strong in your spirit is being able to be that ambassador and stand in the gap for somebody and to win them to the Lord. But then he did tell her, finish the story, he did tell her, now, don't go back to that life of sin. Why, Was, was he being mean? No, 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 because there's bondage there. So leave that world of sin and follow me. the shackles came off and she followed him. That is the spiritual warfare. And that is the battle, voice of shame. This is a slow process that happens that the enemy tries to get us in bondage. Heard this story, the scientists did this experiment I think a while back and they got this big aquarium and they put a snake in there and then they put a bird in there. Like I think it was a little finch or something. And they put it in this aquarium. And that snake just coiled up in the corner. And that little bird was freaking out. He's jumping and chattering. And that snake is just sitting there in the corner. This really happened. It's amazing. And the bird then sat there and the snake didn't move. So the bird then jumps down to the bottom of the aquarium, jumps back up, jumps down, jumps up, and the serpent is just coiled up in the corner, just looking at the bird. The snake, or, or the bird then jumps down, hops a little closer, hops back. Over a period of time, the bird is right in front of the snake looking right at it. That snake is just sitting still looking right at it. The snake opens his mouth and stands there. The bird jumps right into his mouth, and he shuts it and eats the bird. True story. You can Google it. It's amazing. Same thing that the devil has done to so many of us and our loved ones. He makes us run around and think we're okay, and this is the unbelievers battle, and they run around and they think they're okay, and they're this and that, but the enemy is just waiting for his time. He's waiting for you to get a little bit closer, and I don't know when that is. That is up to the individual and that person, but I'm telling you that according to the Bible, he's got bondage, he's got chains, and he's waiting for you and I, For and this is our unbelievers, that come in a little bit further and a little bit further, and then he clamps down on them, and then they're in bondage. This is the unbelievers' battle. So I want to illustrate this with you today. So let me have, um, let me have those, let me have one of these youth who who wants to be the sinner in bondage today. (laughs) Josiah, raised his hand. Come on, Josiah. Come on, come on, Josiah. Yeah. Come on up. Give it up for Josiah. This is Josiah David. Come over here. He's going to be. He's going to be uh, the center in bondage for us today. I just want to illustrate this. It helps you see stuff uh, better when you see it. So bring the chains out, Tito. Thank you. Bring out the chains. This guy loves Jesus. Josiah is just standing in. Thank you. You can put those big. Let me have this little one. So this is what I've been talking about all day. And this is exactly what the enemy does. So the Bible teaches that when you begin to sin, reach your hands out. When you begin to sin and follow the lusts of the flesh, there is bondage associated with it, but you're not coming to light because you don't want to come to light. Your friends and our loved ones, they they know what they're doing is wrong, and they know Jesus, this is the beginning, and they know they should go to church, but they love their sin. They love the sin. And so they're able to go anywhere they want, they're still in control, they're, they're able to do whatever they want. But the Bible says that sin, what well, there's a progression that comes with sin. And that sin begins to have bondage with them. And now they're in bondage, it begins to come. And now when sin is full grown, sin begins to pull them away, whether they wanna go or not. This is what our unbelievers look like right here. This is what they do with and I used to do this. I would be so tired physically but still had to go to the party, still just living that life, still going here, still going there. I, I was a go I was driven. Why? Because the devil drives you. You're always going. It's a totally different world now. You can you can travel and be driven and not leave your bedroom because you got your phone. But you're always going and going and lust of the flesh and going more and going more. And the more sin you do, the more bondage you are in. And he begins to, like I said, you may want to stop. You don't want to, no, no, he's going to lead you around. He's going to tell you, we're going to go to that website whether you like it or not. This is when you're in bondage. You can't stop. And then here comes, as you continue, there is more sin. This is the, these are big, heavy chains. This reminds me of the drama team. Alyssa, how many times have you broken these? Amber? This is the heaviness of shame. This is exactly what our, what's happened to our loved ones right here. And then I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. You're gonna get saved. No, seriously, bow your head, close your eyes. See, he's blinded. The Bible says that the enemy has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever. Look at me in that camera. This right here is exactly what our unbelievers look like to God. They are blind, they don't think they're in bondage. Are you kidding me? They're not in no bondage. They can quit anytime they want, they're in control. They don't even see it. You start talking to them and having some deep conversations, they're they're gonna be afraid, they're gonna start backing out. Why, because that shame is on them and many of them start avoiding you. This is when I always, when I got saved, God pulled me out of an environment of a lot of people, I was a big partier, a couple of my friends came And I remember helping some others get saved. And I can always tell when they were struggling because the first thing they do is they disappear. They disappear from church. They disappear from God. The first thing that happens when a person begins to walk away from God is they, they quit giving, they quit worshiping, and then they quit coming to church. Far before they're in this. That's why 1 John says, those that are in the light are walking with him that is in the light and have fellowship with one another. The first thing that goes is that in reverse. Fellowship with one another and then walking with him in the light. Now you're walking in darkness because he's in isolation and he's trying to get us over in bondage. This is what our unbelievers look like. Their eyes are blinded. They can't see it. They're in bondage. The only way, and this is our job, the only way for them to get set free is they need someone stronger than that chain. They need someone stronger that can lift that chain off of them and they can break the bonds. They can't break it and I can't break it. But there is one that can break it and that is God. I need a big fella. Come here, Ladon. I need I need a big I need a big fella. Come on, Ladon. Uh, this is uh, this is my boy Ladon. Everybody knows him. If you don't, we go back. We go back a long way, and uh, God has saved both of us. We, we had our, our time in this chain, haven't we? Oh yeah. And uh, there was a time when we used to party and think it was fun and living in the streets and all of that, and and then one by one, our friends begin to get. Actually, some of them are not even here today. Right. In prison and messed up. May God set us free. How many years have you been clean and and sober? Sober from alcohol had a hold of his life. How many, how long? Four years now. Four years now, sober in the house of God. Amen. All right. Well, I just need you to do one thing. We didn't rehearse this. I need you to be God. So God is big and God is strong. I want you to stand over here, come all the way over here, a little bit more. I want you to come way over here, a little, right. little bit, a little bit, a little bit more. Come on. I ain't dancing with you. Okay. The moment you pray, the moment we as, this is the unbelievers battle. And you may have someone that's struggling in their faith and they're a believer. I'm not going to go, that is a three hour seminar and I'm not going to go down there. This is the unbelievers battle. But the principle applies to everyone. You have a loved one that's in bondage. You can't set him free, but you know someone that can. The moment you call upon the name of the Lord, he is there. I want you to know that the moment you begin to pray, God shows up. God shows up on the scene. And God actually wants this person free more than you want free. The first thing you need to do before you even ask God, by the way, is you need to take a look at this person and say, is that God's will for your life? Because a lot of you may have a friend or a loved one in bondage, and you might in your mind think it's not that bad. Oh, everyone else is doing it. Listen, I don't care what culture says. You need to ask yourself, is God want this person like this? Does God want my loved one like this? Does God want them like that? No, he don't. But you're not going to pray that until you can see. And so you pray, and then the moment you pray, God jumps on the scene. I want you to reach your hand. Stay there. I want you to stay there. Yeah, put your hand. Just put your hand this way. Reach toward him. This is God. He's one. The moment you pray, he comes. But the Bible says this. God is holy. He is perfect. He is blameless. He cannot get involved with sin. And this is what the devil thought he had won when he had Adam and Eve sin. But God had a plan from the beginning. God said, I'm going to do two things through the fall of man. Number one, I'm going to rescue my creation. Number two, I'm going to introduce to the world something they've never known, and that is unconditional love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, victory, power, and triumph through one act. But he needed somebody who can be holy enough to stand in the presence of God, and here come the mediator himself. Who is he? Jesus. Reach your hand toward him. You're praying, Lord. I pray for Josiah. Oh God, I pray for my daughter. I pray for my son. Lord, they're blinded. They're and you need. And Jesus is the one that is able to hold on to God. But in His humanity, He's able to empty Himself of His divine, of His heavenly nature, and reach to those and to save the lost. He is the mediator. This is Jesus right here. He's standing between a holy God. And a sinful man. That's why he was able to say to the demons, leave, blinded eyes, open, fear, be gone. He's healing, 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 healing. That's his ministry. But you know what? Jesus is gone. And we still got people in bondage. And we still got God. You ain't getting free on yourself yet, are you? I'm, not to. I'm, not to. I'm telling you, that self help ain't gonna work, son. I'm not I can get free. And I know people that say that I can get free myself. I've been sober for, you know, for six weeks and I don't need Jesus. Yeah, what else are you involved with? Because a lot of our loved ones, all they do is I call it this. You're just switching seats on the Titanic. The only one that can set you free from the inside and love it. Listen, I've been, been, he's been sober for four years and loving it. I've been clean and sober, no warrants for my rest, 26 years. And I love it. That's the difference because of what God does in our life. So, you're, so Jesus is gone, and God is still reaching here, and he's still needing to rescue people. Who comes in the middle? You. That's why the Bible says that I look for a man. That's why the Bible says that God is looking for a man. He's looking for someone that will stand in the gap, that will stand between a holy God, lit between the living and the dead as Moses did. And this is you and me. And you need to stand in the gap. So this is what happens if you have a a loved one that is in bondage. You need to get a hold of God because you are now made righteous through the blood of Jesus. Colossians 1, 22 and 23. Hebrews says you can come boldly up into the throne of grace. Not because of your own righteousness, but because of his righteousness. You're able to have fellowship with God. You can be in the presence of God. And the more you're in the presence of God, by the way, the more you'll be able to see the chains of darkness on your loved ones. And what we begin to do is we we begin to pray and we begin to reach out to the lost and this is how it happens. And let me tell you how it happens. As you are interceding and as you are interceding for your loved one, you're the mediator. Listen, whisper something in my ear. I've never said that in my life. (laughs) Whisper something in my ear. Listen, go ahead, whisper something. As you are interceding, God began to speak to you. Listen to me and begin, begin to give you wisdom. You're still blind. Give you you wisdom and revelation. Seriously. Listen, I'm being funny, but this is serious. As you are interceding and you're in the gap between your son and daughter, as you're praying before God, he will begin to speak to you, and he'll begin to tell you exactly what to say. He'll give you wisdom of what to do. And that is when you begin to bring the gospel. That's when you begin to minister to them. And the very first thing that happens of what you're praying for is that God would open their eyes. I want you to open your eyes, Josiah. That is... If you've got a loved one that's in bondage, the very first thing that will happen in deliverance is they will begin to see their chains. The prodigal son was in the pig pen. The very first thing that happened was what? He came to his senses. What did Jesus appear to Paul and say on the road? I showed you three weeks ago when I opened this series. I appear to you for you to do one thing, to go and open the eyes of the unbelievers. And then they'll come out of darkness into light and in from the bondage into freedom. Because I'm sorry to say, but this is true. No one will ever be delivered unless they want to. That's why the father of the particle son didn't go chase him down. You and I have what's called a free will and you've got to submit that to God. So you can, you can beg in everything. That person has to take that free will and submit to God. Right now they're submitted to sin. It's coming, son. You're getting free. Deliverance takes a while, son. It just takes a while. When they begin to say stuff like this, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I don't care what's after the but. You focus on that first part. That means their eyes are opening up. When I got saved, God began to open my eyes. It took two years, and Mama thought I was getting worse because the harder she prayed, the worse I seemed to be. But my eyes was open. I was starting to look at the things around me. We had friends that were getting shot and killed, friends that were OD, and friends going into penitentiary. The fun was over. I worked. I had money. I was a functional uh, person, but I still was a slave and in bondage. And all I thought about was getting high. All I thought about was doing this. All I thought about because I was lost and I was in bondage. And I began to open and look around and say, "Man, this got to." be a better life than this there's gotta be more than life to this and I make more money yeah I make more money oh yeah oh got some more money but I still need that and only Jesus can fill that emptiness that you have inside of your life only him only him you can switch seats all you want at the Titanic but when the eyes are opened that's a good sign then then you got to go back to prayer you got to go back to prayer listen deliverance takes a minute You got to go back to prayer and thank you, God, with your eyes open. And then Jesus, God will begin to speak to your life and He'll begin to give you some words to say. Worship team, won't you come? Worship team, won't you come? That's what the Lord just spoke to me. Worship team, come. I love the prophet. The prophet of the Lord said, Bring me a musician. Listen. Hallelujah. And I know this is a little illustration, but I know you have got friends, I've got friends, I got loved ones that they're spiritual condition. they're in bondage, they are blind, and they're not gonna go to heaven if they died right now. This is our, this is their battle. This is their battle. And God will begin to give you as you stand in the gap, as you begin to pray for your loved one. Oh, Jesus, I said, I'm free. Oh, Lord, God will begin to whisper in your ear. And then the prophetic and the spirit of God will begin to stir like Ezekiel. And you'll begin to say, thus says the Lord, you shall live and not die. I speak freedom over your life. I speak walking in victory over your life. And these shackles will begin to come off of his life. Now watch this. As he turns to the Lord, turn to me and lift your hands. As he turns to the Lord and he lifts his hands, the Bible says the shackles come off. As one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. For God has not given you a spirit of bondage, but a spirit of adoption, which cries out, Abba, Father. Come on, give him praise today. Give him praise for victory. And then this is your job. This is your job. You bring him to God. He takes it from there. Come on, stand on your feet. Stand to your feet today. That's it. That's it. That's it. Does it work? Yeah. Don't go back to them chains. Now, listen, you still have a flesh, Christians. Now I'm talking to you and and newly saved people. Just because you're giving your life to Jesus, that don't mean the devil's going to go away. That don't mean the desires aren't going to be there. James is writing to Christians, by the way, and he says, you got those desires, the enemy's enticing you, because there is an alluring, enticing power to sin. And James says it will lure you. You're not sinning if you got those. I don't care what you desire, what attractions you may have, it doesn't become sin until you act. There's a difference between attraction and action. So just because you have a desire to steal a phone charger, it don't make you a thief, does it? Just because you have a desire to steal and you, get, you look at something and you think, well, I, I want to steal that. You're a kid or whatever. You're not a thief if you had that thought. You become a thief when you do the act. The devil wants you to feel shame for even having the desire I'm here to take those burdens off you today and say bring that to Jesus and say with my broken self I'm coming to the throne with all these desires. I'm coming Jesus help me crucify these desires I don't want them no more. That's why Paul said the things I hate. He didn't say I love it no more I hate those desires Oh, what a wretched man I am. But Romans 8 says, Who will set me free? Thank God through Jesus Christ. You get anything out of this? This is how you do it. And I'm not just a spokesman. I'm also a client. I love to tell people that. Adam, you probably hear that every week. I'm down a Life Challenge. Because God can have you walk in Freedom. But you, He needs one thing from you, one thing from you. Whosoever will, all you got to do, like the Gadarean, Jesus didn't have to go up in the tomb and be persuaded by the family to deliver the man. The man come running to Jesus. He come running to Jesus. That's why sometimes Jesus walked up to a crippled man, knowing he was crippled. John five for thirty-eight years, and Jesus asked him, "Do you want to be healed?" Why? Because so many of us can get comfortable with our chains. We want them free. They don't want to be free. The moment you want to be free, the moment you call out to God, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. God said, I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting. The prodigal son came to his senses when he came back to the house. Daddy met him from a long way off because daddy was praying. Daddy was interceding. Daddy was watching him. Oh, he's in the pig pen. I don't even want to hear. But God, I'm going to continue. You Rescue my baby. Rescue my baby. Rescue my baby. And then one day, you back God says I got freedom for you I got victory for you all I need you to do is want it man want me more than that that's all I need and I'm gonna fight this battle for you bro I'm a professional I'm Jehovah DC I'll roll up my sleeves and I'll knock addiction right in its teeth and knock it down to the ground depression and anxiety will flee when you turn on the lights of Jesus Christ I'm telling you that today Jesus, Lord, we just just come before you right now, God. Just have your way in this service right now. Just let the Lord just move in this service right now. Hallelujah. Christians, you begin to pray. Begin to pray in the spirit. Those of you that are online, I want you to pray if you are a believer and following God. And I want to pray for everyone to be the one standing in the gap. But right now, with your heads bowed, I'm going for those that need to be rescued you're in this place and you need to be set free you got some I don't know if it's a flesh thing or it's a demonic thing I'm not your psychiatrist I'm here to tell you that Jesus can deliver you from both he can give you the power to overcome your flesh that's the Holy Spirit and he can deliver you from the lie of the devil That's got a stronghold in your life I don't need to know all that All I need to do is introduce you to Jesus But you need to be free today I'm going to open up these altars I want you to raise your hand if you're in this place Say, I need to be free I got some issues in my life and I need freedom today Yeah, hands up everywhere I'm going to open these altars and have you come up And come out of your seat Don't be ashamed I, It can be lying it, it don't matter what it is You need to accept Jesus Christ I want you to come out of your seat Come up to the front Altar team, why don't you come Already moving Come on We want to pray for you today. You need to be set free of anything you're struggling with today. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. You need Jesus. I want you to come. 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 Rest of you praying. Rest of you praying. Come. Come. Come get prayer. Come. Shackles are going to come off today.